Peggy, who was sharing her Bible with me, I look over and it's, it says Proverbs 6, and it's like, you're on the wrong one. But thank you, all you guys who uh, have just stepped up to uh, come and share in communion with us and to read Proverbs. Um, this is the last month that we'll be reading Proverbs because we're just about done and gone through just about every Proverbs. So I'm so stoked to have young men, older men, guys who have been here forever, guys who have been new to our church come up and share in Proverbs. I am so looking forward to tonight, guys. I can't tell you how excited I am. I've been praying a lot for tonight and the people that will be sharing with you. Their hearts are open uh, to come and share with you. And I want to encourage you, even today, throw it out there on social media. If you have MySpace, Facebook, all these things, (laughs) MySpace, uh, anything, anything, just tweet it out there, Instagram it, hashtag it, do whatever you can do to invite people to come out to tonight for family life. I, I, I think we're just going to get blown away as to what God is going to do in our fellowship and with the people that are here, the people that are going to be um, sharing and those who will be asking questions and just all the way around. I, I just am amazed at what I, I feel God's going to do in our church today and this month with our families. And so I am excited. So be praying. Be here. Um, please turn in your Bibles to First John chapter 3 as we continue where we left off last week, we will be covering verses 4 to 15, I think. Um, and so let's get started. Let's read from verse 1 of chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know you, know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin commits also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins and has neither uh, seen him nor known him, little children, do not let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that you should love one another, not as Cain, 
who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from life, from death to life, because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Whoever commits sin, commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know, going back to this and reading at the first read here, especially verses 1 through 9, one would have a hard time swallowing what, Paul, what John is saying here. Because one would say, wait a minute. You have told us, buckaroo, <laughs> or John, that if we say that we have no sin, we are liars. <laughs> you have told us that we will deceive ourselves if we think that we have no sin. And you've also told us that when we do sin, that we are to confess our sins, and He is faithful and just to forgive us. You have told us that when we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And so what is up with this that you're telling us here that we are, you know, if, if, if anybody abides in Him, they do not sin. And so it's pretty hardcore. And I have to tell you, as a young Christian, I had a very hard time with this portion of Scripture because I actually did think as a young Christian, that once you come to know God and once you learn a little bit more, you didn't sin anymore. I I remember sitting in church one night at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa in 1979 (laughs) and thinking they, all the people that were in that sanctuary, in that room that night, I remember thinking, they don't sin no more. I, I'm, I'm still the, I'm, I'm the only one that's sinning because I'm new at this. And I honestly did think that, 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 you know, everybody else was perfect once you got to know God. But then as I got to know people and the word, reality hit me. It's like, oh, they're all still sinning. <laughs> they all still have struggles. The word of God is a reminder that we should stay away from it. And I don't remember if I heard a study where someone explained this portion of Scripture or I read the footnote on my first Bible because I had bought my first Schofield study Bible a few weeks after I became a Christian. And I still have a Schofield study Bible. It's now in the New King James. This is only my third Bible in 34 years. I don't get rid of stuff. (laughs) I tape it up. But in the footnote of my Schofield Bible, it says this about these verses. Here and in similar places of this epistle, the Greek verb has the force of a continuous present tense. Verses 6 and 9 and chapter 5, verse 18. And thus denotes a person's habitual attitude towards sin as the expressed 
as expressed in his practice or non-practice of it. John is not speaking of a state of perfection in which it is impossible for a Christian ever to sin. But he is stressing the fact that a Christian cannot keep on practicing sin because he is born of God. That gave me a little bit better understanding of, of what these scriptures meant because I read this and it's like, oh my goodness, I say I'm a Christian now, but I still sin, so I must not be a Christian. And so there was this, this tug of war that was going on in my in my life until I, I, I come to understand, oh, he's talking about a habitual, continuous practice of sin. And there is no change in your life, basically. In other words, John is distinguishing characteristics between the believer and the unbeliever. And what they practice in regard to sin. What they practice in regard to sin has not changed their life. If those who are still practicing sin, as he is talking about here, they haven't had a changed life. The, 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 the Amplified, and I'm going to read the Amplified several times today, because it brings some clarification, I hope it does for you, as it does for me. But this verse, verse 4, says, anyone who commits practices sin is guilty of lawlessness. For that is what sin is, lawlessness, the breaking, the breaking, violating of God's law by transgression or neglect, being unrestrained and unregulated by his commands or his will. In other words, something, nothing has changed in that person's life. And so those who are practicing and continuing to practice sin has not, have not had a change in their life. They might call themselves a Christian, but in reality, there's nothing really going on here. And so he's making that dividing line. As believers, we have been freed from sin, from the root of sin, the, 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 the nature of man. You see, we no longer have to be a slave to sin, it tells us in Romans. We do not have to continue because the, the, Jesus came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as believers, we have been given a new nature so that we do not have to be dominated by sin in our life continuously. Because it tells us that the Spirit of Him, of Jesus, of God, now abides in us, dwells in us, and makes His home in us. We can now become slaves of Him and be dominated by Him and by His Spirit. See, there's a vast difference here. Who are you going to be dominated by? Because if you're being dominated by your flesh continuously, then I would have to say, check yourself to see if you are in the faith, as Paul encouraged the Corinthians. Because you could say it all day long, doesn't make it true. There has to be some kind of a change in your life. So now we don't have to commit sin. We don't have to practice wickedness in our lives. Not because we have become sinless, but because we can now sin less. 
there's a change that has happened in our lives. Our new nature affords us that privilege to sin less. Because again, John is not talking about perfection to be sinless. But he's talking about something has happened to where your habits have changed and you're not sinning the way you used to sin. Guys, brothers and sisters, we have looked at this scripture and we have been told that when we sin, we have an advocate. We will, we, there will be sin in our life, but not a habitual, continuous type of sin that never has changed. And nobody can tell you apart from that non-believer to that believer. They can't tell you apart. They look, you look more like the unbeliever, like the world, than anything else. You see, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We're born that way. We're born sinners. We were born with the nature to sin, but in Christ we have received a new nature. It's called regeneration. You have been regenerated. A new life. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Because in him, it says in verse 5, there is no sin. And so if we are in him, we don't have to follow what the world or our flesh tells us to do. We know that he, Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins. And it's interesting because in verse 1 or verse 4, you see the, the word sin singular and here he he talks about sins plural again when he came to die he came to die for the sin of the world the nature of man but we see here that he deals with us individually in our own sins but you were born in sin and so he came he manifested he showed up he appeared so that he can defeat sin as a whole, but to deal with us as individuals to take away our sins, which are many. Now we can purify ourselves, as is said in verse 3. We can purify ourselves just like He is pure, and we can have a hope only because sin has been dealt with. If sin had never been dealt with, we have no hope. Like Rick was sharing earlier, the wages of sin is death. And that's what we were headed for always. Back then, as today. It still says that. I love that. Without some kind of change in our lives to deal with our sin, we have no hope. And so because of that, if we have no hope, then purity is out the window. Let's just practice wickedness why not there is no hope see that's what the world does each and every day and we get shocked because it's it's doing what it's supposed to be doing because there is wickedness in the world and there is no change and they are going according to the course of this world but as christians there's that dividing line that we can make a change because of who he is verses seven through through nine he says little children Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Once again, this term little children, the one here, he is is, uh, referencing the, the Christian converts, the church as a whole, those who are born again. And he says, let no one deceive you. Way back when we first started 1 John, several months back, 
and let you know that part of the reason for John writing this letter was that he was refuting the, the Gnostics. The Gnostics were a group that, that felt that they had been enlightened with more knowledge. And that's what the word Gnostic means, knowledge. Agnostic, no knowledge. <laughs> so in general, the Gnostics believed that whatever was done in the spiritual realm or in the religious realm was good. Whatever was done in the physical realm was evil and bad. And so anything that had to do with spiritual was good. Anything that had to do with physical was bad. And you could go on and do whatever you wanted in the physical because it really wasn't going to be held against you because you really couldn't help yourself. And that's why he is refuting this. That's why he's saying, no, you can help yourself in the spiritual realm. It translates into your physical realm. And so the Gnostics were saying, oh yeah, you can go ahead and believe in Jesus, but you can continue to sin and no changes have to, be, have to happen. So you can go on with your bad self and do whatever you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it, because there is no consequences because it was done in the flesh. And he is saying here, and he is refuting it here, and saying, no, <laughs> if you sin, you're not in Christ. If you continue to sin... You are not in Christ. But he does say, but he who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Again, the word practice is the same word that is used for commits, as he was speaking of in in, in, in verse 4. It speaks of one who makes it a continual habit. And in verses 4 and 6, he uses it in the negative, those who continue to sin habitually. But here he says, but if you practice habitually righteousness, you are righteous just as he is righteous. I I, I like the way the Amplified defines righteousness in that verse. It says, one who is upright, conforming to the divine will in purpose, thought and action living in consistently living consistently conscientious living a consistency living a consistent conscientious life <laughs> i'm going to simplify it for me that's what righteousness is it says in the amplified who are conformed to the divine will God's will, who are conformed into His will in thought or in purpose, thought and action. I love that. That is what we are to be practicing, guys. (laughs) Habitually. Wanting to do the will of God in purpose, in thought, in action. Doing what the Word of God tells us to do. You see, We are righteous because He is righteous. We are in Him, and so we have the righteousness of Christ dwelling, living, abiding, making His home in us. And He has taken away our sins. So we don't have to be a slave to that. And then verse 8, He says, He who sins is of the devil. Now that's a pretty harsh statement. 
You can have a hard time with that. But you know what? It would be wrong of me or anyone else to water down that assertion, that statement. Because all sin, all sin, little sin, big sin, humongous sin, all sin is satanic in nature. Because he is the father of sin. And so all sin, and again, we all battle sin, I know that. (laughs) Every time you succumb to sin, because again, he gives us a way of escape from that temptation to sin. And so if we say, oh, I don't want that way of escape, I'm going to sin, it is satanic in nature. And so when he says, whoever, or he who sins is of the devil, he's saying, Whenever we succumb to this, we're doing devilish things, satanic things. It's that nature because he brought it into the world. Turn, if you will, to, to John chapter, the Gospel of John chapter 8. I want to read to you a conversation that Jesus was having with the religious leaders, the Pharisees, who were supposed to be practicing, practicing righteousness but we're not. (laughs) Instead, they were practicing sin. They were practicing the sins of their fathers, of their father. John 8, beginning in verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They answered him. Now the Pharisees answered him. We are Abraham's descendants and have, no, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If Abraham were, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication, we have one Father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I proceed forth and come from God. Nor have I come of myself, but He sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you do not abide, or you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your Father, the devil. And your desire and the desire of your father you want to do. 
He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand for the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. That is a pretty amazing dialogue that goes on between Jesus and these Pharisees, these religious leaders. They were caught up in, in the sins. They were practicing sin. They were outwardly religious, but inwardly they were dead man's bones, Jesus to- told them. And they are trying to come against him. And he says, you know, you know who you're resembling? Your father. And it's not God, it's Satan. You're doing the works of Satan. And I love that whole dialogue because Jesus just stands up to them. He doesn't back down because they were not practicing righteousness. They were practicing the sins of their father. It says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest because, or he was manifest to to destroy, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Because of all those who practice unrighteousness and are slaves to sin, Jesus came to destroy that work so that men could be free, so that the chains can be broken that hold man in bondage, away from the truth to free people from the grips of Satan himself. And so if this statement is true, that Jesus, for this reason, for this purpose, the Son of God has was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. If that statement is true, then there is no excuse for us who claim to be Christians, that we can't stop sinning. Now, I'm not talking perfection again. Understand that. But there's no excuse for us to be in bondage to sin like we were before. Because either Jesus is powerful enough to destroy the works of the devil, or we have been sold a bill of goods, and he's not that powerful. Hmm. Now, for the non-believer, if you're here, you can believe this statement or not. It doesn't matter to you. It really doesn't. Just like communion, it means nothing to you. If you ate a little piece of cracker or a little juice, that's all it was for you. It had no meaning for you. And so you can take it or leave it if you're not a Christian. You first must have come to believe who Jesus is. Then this, this will apply to you here. But for the believer, you can't keep on making excuses that you can't help it. Because you can if you call yourself a Christian. If you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, then you can help it. We can not sin. <laughs> we can sin less, even though we're not sinless. We can sin less. We can stop practicing sin habitually if indeed we have a new nature. Because if we have a new nature, then there's, there, there's that conviction of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, who says, knock it off. 
who says you're destroying people, who says you're hurting your family, who says that's not yours, do not take it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? There's that Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin, the Bible says, and of righteousness and of judgment. He is the one that helps us practice righteousness because of who Jesus is. Verse 9 in, in the Amplified, it says, No one born, begotten of God, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. For God's nature abides in him. His personal, oh no, his principal life, the divine sperm, remains permanently within him. And he cannot practice sinning because he is born begotten of God. Whoa! We can't continue because his DNA is in us. Something needs to change. And so we cannot make excuses that we cannot stop sinning in certain areas like this. Habitually. To be born of God, which means born again, doesn't mean that we can continue to live the same way we were before we, be, we became Christians, before we came to Christ. If indeed you have received the new nature. It's pretty powerful stuff in these verses, isn't it? That means that our old nature cannot continue to dominate us. It just can't. If your sin nature continues to dominate you, check yourself. But you're saying, but I'm here. It's like, it doesn't matter. But I've asked Jesus into my life. Really? Where's the fruit? Where's, this, where, where's the new nature coming out? Because there has to be a difference. Guys, we are to confess our sins all the time because we sin. But He has freed us from the root of sin. And we don't have to be dominated. We, we don't have to be slaves to sin any longer. we are born of God, we have a new nature. Again, that word regeneration comes into play here. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. John 1, 12 and 13 says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were not born, or who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We are children of God if we are born again. He has given us that. What manner of love has the Father bestowed on us that we should be called children of God? Verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. That's another strong statement. And what we need to understand, first and foremost, is that that not every person is a child of God. Everybody, people want to claim that. Well, you know, I'm a child of God. It's like, I don't know. I know we're all crea- created in His image, but that does not make you a child of God. It, it, it boils down to this. It boils down to, to sin and righteousness, love and hate. That's what it boils down to. And, and, and these are the distinguishing factors, the marks 
that makes someone either the child of God or the child of the devil. There is a sharp contrast here between the two and it is meant to be a sharp contrast between the two. Satan tries to blur the issue. I don't know if I am or not. No, it is sharp, it is clear in what God has given us here. God makes it clear. This is what distinguishes the children of God between the children of the devil. And you and I have to choose where we want to be. I mean, you default to being just a child of the devil. But God has made it crystal clear. Now, should we go around telling unbelievers, you're the child of the devil? (laughs) Only when the opportunity presents itself. Again, if somebody wants to battle this issue of saying, no, I am a child of God, but I don't need Jesus in my life. It's like, I'm sorry, bro. You know, after the argument gets a little going, it's like, okay, let's just boil it down to this. You're a child of the devil. (laughs) I'll take you to Scripture. I'll take you to Scripture. Because that's what we need to, to do. Hashtag keep it biblical. Always. Just like Jesus had to tell the Pharisees, no, your father is the devil. He didn't mince words there. They kept on arguing the fact, no, we are children of Abraham. He says, you would love me. You would do my works. You would be doing as I have told you to do. But you don't. You're a child of the devil. Maybe you should say it like that. You're a child of the devil. Again, we're not supposed to be judging, but the Bible, it draws out the distinction. And so, hashtag keep it biblical. Verses 11 through 15, we'll hurry up through these portions here. This is the message that you have heard from the beginning. And once again, we hear the word beginning, but it also, you know, again, this is what Jesus has been saying, that we should love one another. And once again, he uses the word love. And yet he uses it here in how love does not look. It does not look like Cain in the story of Cain and Abel. Over in, 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 in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 to 10, you don't have to turn over there, but, but really quick, it, it talks about how they both bring a sacrifice. After time, they bring a sacrifice and one brings the, the, the required sacrifice, which was blood, and the other one brings the work of his hands. It was religious. He knew that he was supposed to bring something that's like, look at what I've created. Look at how good I am. And that's why God says, I'll accept that one and I will not accept that. It's blood that is required, not how good you are. And so when that happens, all of a sudden, Cain gets upset and it says that his countenance falls. And God says this in verse 6 of chapter 4, And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will, not, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you shall rule over it. I love that portion 
because he says sin is at the door. He didn't say, hey, sin is locked up in the room with you. (laughs) No, he says it's at the door and it's crouching and it's ready to pounce just like a, a lion would. And you can shut the door if you want. But if you don't want, it will dominate you. And yet he gives them the option. He gives Cain the option and says, you don't have to let it dominate you. You can dominate it. And yet, because of his rebellion, he stayed mad. His pride, his arrogance, whatever it was, he was upset. And because of that, he kills his brother. And God says, hey, where's your brother? He says, what? What? I don't know. It's like, dude, now you're even lying about it. His blood is crying out to me. Again, it kind of just brings in, John brings in, listen, this is what I'm trying to get across. From the very beginning, man has been dealing with sin. And God said, it's at the door. And you can shut the door or you can leave it open and continue to sin. Or you can close the door on sin and dominate it. And not let it rule over you. He had the opportunity to repent and he didn't. And it was between sin and righteousness, love and hate. It boils down to that. And he says, don't marvel. Don't be surprised. Don't wonder that the world hates you. The works of the world are the same as the works of of Cain. It comes from the wicked one who has practiced wickedness lawlessness, sin from the very beginning. It all comes down to this. It comes down to our, 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 our natures. The old nature, sin nature, is of the world. And the world functions by it because it cannot do anything else. It's the only nature those who do not have Christ can function in. And that nature, the physical nature, the worldly nature, all that brings forth death. And the Christian is the one that has to battle the two natures. Because we can have the new nature and walk in the new nature, or we can walk in the old nature. We have that option each and every day, guys. Each and every day, we can choose which nature we want. The new nature brings forth life. It always does. But in order for it to grow, and dominate, it needs to be fed by the Word of God. It's as simple as that. It really, 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 really is as simple as that. Not so much coming to church, but reading the Word on a daily basis, on a regular basis. And if you read the Word on a regular basis to feed that new nature, then the fruit will come out of that which is love. See, this is the way you can check yourself as to where you are at to see which nature is dominating your life. You can tell by this. Which one are you feeding the most? Which one are you feeding the most? Your sin nature? Or your new nature? Because that's the one that will dominate. The one you the most it's as easy as that guys it says we know that we have passed from death to life we know in verse 14 
that we have passed from death to life. And it has to do with love. <laughs> what we practice will dominate who we are. If we habitually practice sin, we know that we are the children of the devil. <laughs> That's what it says. Which leads to death. But if we habitually practice righteousness, we know that we are children of God, which leads to life. The Apostle John was pretty, or has made it pretty clear cut, and my hope is that I cleared up a lot of issues in this portion for you. But in one sense, he says, practice makes perfect. <laughs> We've all heard that term. Whatever you practice, you will perfect. And it can go either way. It's life or death. It's not a game. Do not blur the issue, my brothers and sisters. Do not blur the issue. Don't think that you can play with fire and not get burned. Because you will. God has made it clear. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Apostle John who heard from you, Lord, and made some bold statements. This portion of Scripture, Lord God, has clarified so much, even in my own life, Lord God. But I pray that it clarifies for my brothers and sisters who are here. Whether they're mature, whether they're maturing, or whether they're immature right now, I pray that those especially who are immature who continue to practice sin and fall back into sin, I pray that today you have challenged their hearts in such a powerful way, Lord. But I want to pray, God, for those, my brothers and sisters, who are battling this issue and have not made a defining stand against sin. And I pray that this morning they would repent. As we're all praying right now, my brothers and sisters, if you need prayer, I just want to pray for you right now. That, you, that you're in that place going, man, oh man, where am I at with Jesus? Because I say I'm a Christian, but I, I've been blurring the issue. Just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. You Christian. Anybody else? Come on. That there's other people here that are, that are blurring this issue of where you stand with Jesus. Amen. Any more? Right on. Lord, I, I just pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that today, Lord, they would see how clear your word is and that they, would play, they wouldn't be playing around with sin anymore, Lord. Lord, I know that they will not be perfect and I hope they understand that, Lord. But I pray that they would cross that line to say, I'm done. I'm done compromising my life. <laughs> I want to walk closer to you, Lord. And I pray that, God, they would feed their spirit, their new nature on a regular basis. That the word would come alive to them, Lord, and they would see how you have changed their lives, Lord. Father, I pray for those who might be here this morning who don't know you at all. And, Lord, all this has been foreign to them, and I pray for them right now. That, Lord, their hearts might be softened because they know that they've just been functioning in their old nature, their only nature, and they've never had you in their life, Lord. And I pray right now that if that's you, 
that you would raise your hand right now so I can pray for you. Because you need Jesus in your life if any change is going to happen. Is there anyone this morning that needs Jesus in their life? I'm not talking to you Christian no more. I'm talking to you who doesn't know him. Father, please, Lord, penetrate the hearts. Those who don't know you, Lord, that they would not feel comfortable sinning no more, Lord, because of this message. Because they've heard your word, Lord, and you have challenged them. For my brothers and sisters who have been, who, who, who have been battling, and today they've said, today I, want, I, I just want to be different. Please help them, Lord for my brothers and sisters who have been walking that walk and they battle life each day, Lord God, but they're feeding their spirit and they're having victory. Bless them. Encourage them, Lord God. Help them to reach out to those who don't know you, Lord, in a powerful way. Blessed be your name for you're worthy to be praised, Lord. Be glorified in such a powerful way in the lives of my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. If you